Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 86 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean AS, and joining me as always in this golden age of podcasting is DAZN sports journalist and features editor of hookedonwrestling.co.uk, my good pal Liam Hap. Good evening, Liam. How are you doing? Oh, wow. You went for a really nice introduction today. You know what that means next time around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, next time. I'm the Twisted Genius, Dean S, and this is a blue tick fucking wanker. Yep. Right, that's my swearing quite we're done out of the way. Yep. Now, now to get through the next hour and a half without issuing a single swear word. Do you think I can do that? Fuck no. Uh, do you know what? I've set myself a change. I'm going to try. Let's see if I can do my first ever outside of the swear words at the start. Let's, <laughs> let's see if I can do the actual broadcast without one swear word. Okay, there, there is the challenge. There is the challenge. So we are crossing our fingers, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, we did we, we did try and record this before. This is the second attempt. It's, uh, it's a Nitro watch long today, by the way, but this is the second attempt because we tried this a week ago and were beset with technical gremlins. And I believe it's all because I made the fatal error, Liam, of tweeting beforehand that we're recording an episode that night absolute rookie mistake but i will i will say i I was very proud of us we recognized we hadn't actually got to the the watch along part we were still doing our introduction and we we took that realization with the errors we were already getting and the issues we were already experiencing we thought you know what if it's going to be like this maybe we just bow and go to bed early yeah, Which may not, or may not, like not have been the overriding decision is getting to go to bed early because we have both been absolutely shattered. Absolutely knackered. It has been non-stop this week. I can't believe that the week is going so quickly. Um, I would have thought like being shut in the house all day would make things go slowly, but not at all. It's flying by. Uh, but um, yeah, I've just been working, working, working. What, what have, uh, what's been happening in, in Hap Towers? Well, um, the the main thing adding to the the fun and games at the minute is we are finally getting uh, the master bedroom and both passageways, including the stairways. So they they've needed plastering so that we can then paint them nicely, set up everything we want. We've got uh, a lovely kitchen that we expand one day. We obviously we we made our daughter's bedroom. Uh, nice and livable and nice looking right from the off but is it long-term listeners will remember i mentioned being in a new house very early on i think it might have been uh like may yeah it was may 2018 so whichever episodes we did around then so we moved into this house and obviously it's it's 
easy enough to live in here but those crucial first steps in the in those aforementioned rooms we are finally doing it it just means that we've got to live in an absolute madhouse with uh we, we've got like the bedroom dressing chest of drawers all, all down in the front room and the coats are all on a pile hung over the armchair and you know until we can actually get back our regular bedroom and passage space but it's going to look the business when it's done so, so what I'm hearing is that you are getting your passages plastered. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Fair enough. Um, so we are <laughs> on uh, episode number 38 of Monday Nitro. And if you remember, the last Nitro watch along we did was number it was episode 84. Um, and that was the infamous episode... Dated, of course, May the 27th, 1996, where the the match that we're all looking forward to between Steve Doll and the Mauler was ruined. Uh, was, it was ruined, quite frankly, yeah, by a selfish prick walk, walking through the, the crowd like he owned the venue and going, hey, yo, uh, Scott Hall debuted. And it sent the WWF legal department into turmoil. Because of the the image, the kiss curl, the accent, it was intellectual property. They screamed. Um, so should we see if we'll see this week if he if anything gets uh, gets t- turns down and tamed a bit. Yeah, indeed. But um, I'm sure they're screaming intellectual property on the outside, but on the inside they're like, oh no, we're going to have to actually uh, make an effort here because competition is giving us a run for our money, which, as we know, to Vince McMahon is uh, is the worst possible scenario. Yeah, and of course, let's not forget that they uh, they then created a new Razor Ramon and Diesel because they owned the intellectual property to those characters, and and we all know how well that went. Yeah, what a fantastic response that was. Yeah. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. So if um if you want to uh, watch along with us then um we have got monday nitro from june the 3rd 1996 that was the original broadcast date of this episode um and we have got it queued up on zero 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 as always so uh liam are you ready i am super duper ready dino okay boys and girls at home are you ready i think that's a yeah I think uh, I we heard will, a couple of yeses, yeah. Yeah. I definitely heard one of our listeners in Parts Unknown say something. Absolutely. So we will press play in three, two, one, play. Burning buildings are a coming. I have buildings and now, yes, they are burning. Just, Hulk Hogan's still in the intro. Indeed. I just realised something. We've now reached June of 1916. We are starting to get up to the... Uh, when exactly was the opening ceremony and first game of Euro 96. Oh, that's well, when we're yeah. starting to flirt with. It would definitely be June 96. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming So we, I, I haven't got used to this yet. Tony Schiavone is opening the show and introducing us to Monday Nitro, of course, because Tony Schiavone and uh, Larry Zabisco do the first hour. There they are. And what the hell is Zabisco wearing? That's one hell of a shirt. 
Mm. Well, he's always referred to as a master of human chess in the ring, and he's literally wearing a chessboard shirt or ascot on his shirt. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, this is so, the uh, second time we've had this set up because this was the start of the first two-hour one last time out, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they they're doing the first hour and then and they're at ringside as you can see there, and then uh, and then Eric Bischoff and Bobby Heenan are up in the booth as before. Um, oh, did they say something about the Rock and Roll Express then? Yeah. Hang on. I'm just going to have a look at the. Uh... Yes, we have got Ric Flair and Arn Anderson against the Rock and Roll Express, which is going to be. Interesting. Interesting match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're 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 already uh publicizing Bobby Heenan actually being in the horseman's corner for that match at the pay per view. Yeah. No, he didn't well he didn't manage anyone, did he? Uh, WCW he's only ever compensated. So it's uh, an unusual uh Indeed. An unusual move for him. We're just seeing now a recap from last week's Nitro where uh was he? Is he's big bubba at this point, isn't he? Shaved John Tenter's head. Shark, oh shark! There you go. Shark with half his head shaved. Builds as well over five hundred pounds. Surely that's more than he was billed before. And just before they introduced him, all right, in spotting that um, big bubba and Jimmy Hart are in the ring, but Mean Gene's introducing this as a. Yeah. I don't think this is a match. <laughs> so he's still kept his half shaved head and yes, Bubba is there you go, Bubba is in the ring. He's positioning himself so you can't see it at first. Mm. I like that. Nice little touch. <laughs> they still somehow have the hair in their hand. Oh, there you go. We see it now. This is so, uh, quite the infamous promo, if I remember. Mm. So he's basically saying that he's deliberately not shaved the other half of his head because it's, it makes him well. He has to look at it every day and he's getting laughed at by his neighbours. Oh, I'm go. not the shark. I'm not a fish. Oh, I'm not this is I'm the infamous tent. I'm not a shark, I'm a man promo. This this came before all of the... Do you know we got to a point where the likes of Vince Russo just absolutely did the uh, oh, I, I'm not this character, I'm not this gimmick, yes. I'm a real person thing to death. Long before any of that got hackneyed, um, we had this. Oh, it looks like we do have a match. Mm. The referee's I mean, in the ring. His ring attire is really weird because he's wearing black tights and he's wearing a plain blue top and it, like his original Earthquake gear. And it's very much a, sort of a mismatch of stuff. But I guess that goes to show that he's not, you know, he's, he's not quite got, the, got his image because he's all over the place. He's not an avalanche, not a shark. He's John Tenter. Yeah. And obviously, we, I mean, everyone in the wrestling industry loves... John Tenter. 
yes. and obviously he he passed on from from cancer a while back now. But um, it's it's fair to say he he always did have a outside of that run with Hogan, which drew money because it was Hogan versus Monster. There was always a ceiling to what he could do, and he was never really going to be more than this than this sort of a feud. But but for a big man, his work was always quite good. Everyone oh, loved God. him. Absolutely. And that... Yeah. But yeah, this is this is basically as far as it's going to get. And we've already covered the climax of this, haven't we? Oh, it's a match is over. I think Bubba's just... Bubba's run off, basically. Yeah. Because uh, John Tenter had, the, uh, had those scissors, which he's still got in his hand. He was going to cut Bubba's hair and Bubba's scarpered, basically. Well, what I like there is, is yeah, somehow um, Rogers has pulled out this clump of the hair. It looks like he's collected it from last week, apparently. As uh, Tenter's talking, he's he's throwing the hair around the ring. And so for a couple of minutes that they actually are wrestling, they're wrestling in his hair, which I thought was a yes. nice little visual touch. But yeah, that was, I've forgotten about that, the infamous, I'm not a... Fish, I'm not an avalanche. Mm. So that was like that was like a fair enough for a, like an act one for their feud, wasn't it? We think mm. a few minutes of action, no finish, setting up the the climax comes at Bash at the Beach '96, as well as yep, several other significant things. Covered, yeah. yeah. Oh, we've got a new, well, we've got another match. Well, Sting and Lex Luger on in the second half of the... Uh, That's the stemming Sting from... and Lex Luger against the Steiner brothers. Stemming from that main event last week, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, here's a tag team from the WCW archives. High Are voltage. from the power plant? Very good. I mean, there's... there's um, I didn't even... That wasn't even an intended pun. I've just realised what I said. Now, I was going to say, is, is this like an example of we've expanded to two hours, we're going to have to kind of scrape things a bit to get get a roster together? Is, I'd imagine this this kind of thing maybe is what led to, um, to WCW signing everyone up, especially when they went to three hours and they just seemed to have they seem to have so many people that they're able to do a three-ring, 60-man battle or paper. Indeed. Well, one thing we do know that's been documented in every every reliable uh, report or book or, or recollection that's been done since those, those demise is that they had no idea how to adequately use their staff. All the stories of, of flying in wrestlers, even though they weren't scheduled to wrestle and they didn't do anything, but they'd fly them in anyway. Um, they really didn't get a gauge of exactly what the magic number would be for how yeah. many people they should have on staff. And you yourself, as a as a manager, Dean, I don't mean as a wrestling manager, but as like a as a as a daytime manager, you know the importance of of being able to have the right amount of staff on your team and being oh, able yes. to run a rotor. Yeah, absolutely. They couldn't do that. No. So, it is high voltage, ruckus and chaos. I don't know which one's which. And they're against Meng and the Barbarian, the faces of fear. Future tag Who... team champion. I'm not talking about high voltage, just chaos. Because no. he would hold it well, with Rick Steiner. Oh, okay. 
But, uh, I mean, these guys are going to get guided through a, a good TV match by the face of fear. You know that much. We've long documented how they're solid hands and obviously not the sort of people you want to cross in a bar. <laughs> well, Cole Stewart, Cole Conroy that we had on the show previously, he did a tour of Scotland with Meng and he, uh, with Barbarian, sorry, and says that he was the nicest wrestler that the easiest going man they'd ever worked with, basically. I mean, I know there there, there are some unsavory characters who can hand themselves, but I always find the majority of people who you do not want to mess with are very soft and mild-mannered because yeah. they know they don't have to give it, they don't have to sling yes, their muscle I around. See. They have, don't have to give it the big I am because you know who they are already. Absolutely. And uh, I did briefly meet Meng many, many years ago. And yeah, he was a very nice bloke and exactly that. Just quiet, softly spoken. Seemed like a nice bloke. Didn't bite my nose off. What more can I ask for? Pump handle. Yep. It seems that high voltages selling consists of arching their back up immediately after they land. Given that they're getting viciously dumped on their back at every opportunity, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll only be partly critical of the one-dimensional nature of their selling. If they and start the, uh... arching their back after receiving a DDT, then then we'll have a word with them. <laughs> oh, okay, wow! Just... He's gonna be, he was gonna be arching his back in a second. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> belly to belly superplex. And I've got to say, even though this is a nothing match, the live crowd are really into just watching Barbarian ragdoll this dude. Yeah. I liked as well the way they sold it when they were excited that they'd landed some moves. It was the sort of what I call the Joey Mags fist pump. Yeah. Oh, we got them in opposite corners. And... Diving headbutt from Meng and a spl- from Barbarian and a splash from Meng. We, we've okay. seen them do that finish before where they both come off opposite turnbuckles and hit the diving headbutts. Here's a thrust kick. And that was an awesome looking thrust kick, I have to say. That was a great squash match. Let's just have it on the table. They mm. hit big moves that got the live crowd energetic. It was over within three minutes. That's a squash match. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna refer to that double diving headbutt they did. Uh, the tag partner made the save, so they had to add the frost kick to finish. But that double diving headbutt, we've dis- I'm trying to remember what episode it was that we discussed at length. How you watch Meng and the butt, and here's the replay. Watch the knees; they get the knees there, which is, you know, I mean, landing on your knees is still gonna add up over the years, isn't it? But considering what we know about the diving headbutt move when you just throw yourself neck first at someone, yes. they're, they're at least being a little bit clever about it. But I still maintain the flying headbutt off the top is the worst wrestling move in wrestling. Well, I have to stop you there, Liam, because Mean Gene is backstage with the World Tag Team Champions, Sting and Lex Luger, and I am wondering what the deal is between the two. You know what? I've been wondering for a while. Oh. Oh, he's got a different question. What's going to be left of Lex Luger after tonight? Oh. So, yeah. Who's going to lose their train of thought first, Luger or Sting? So we're building into this bit of a 
a feud between who are normally friends, the Steiners and Sting and Luger. Bear in yep. mind that the next pay-per-view, it's Sting versus Regal and Luger challenging for the world title. So this is uh, a weird, yes. it's a very curious side feud when they've got plenty to be promoting. Like, hey, I'm not, I'm not Eric Bischoff. I'm not the booker of a major promotion. What do I know? I like the fact that Sting's face paint matches his tights. Yeah, he's but he's you, you know how all, dark hair all of now. us. Yeah, I was going to say, you know how all of us have got that awkward lockdown hair. That's Sting. Look at him. That is Sting has got lockdown hair. Twenty-five years before lockdown hair was a thing. Right. In in this new edition of the lockdown, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of people who are Sting circa early '97 when he's up in the rafters. <laughs> yes. So, Lucas still going on. He he has, but he's showing no signs of the character that's been cultivated over the first five months of the year. Yeah. Well, I, I think that he is now going full-fledged babyface because... Uh... Here come the Steiners. Oh. Accusing Stinger Luger of cheap shots. Oh. Well, they're, they're all just trying to win a wrestling match, for God's sake. Poor Mean Jeans trying to point the microphone in front of the person that's talking here. This oh. is a... <laughs> Lex Luger, you get me, miss, miss me. Yeah. If anyone thought that meme of Scott Steiner talking utter gibberish was a uh, TNA era only thing, no. 1996, no. he was very much... Oh, shoves. Oh, come on. 1990, after they won the Pat O'Connor Memorial Tag Tournament, he, he couldn't string a sentence together then. I think Mean Gene's going to put them all on the naughty step. Yeah, Mean Gene, mean Gene will never interview them again, apparently. Oh, that's it. They're done. It's curtains I mean, for them, Dean. These stipulations in wrestling that don't get adhered to, eh? Oh, no. I love to see that. The loser doesn't get to interview with Mean Gene. Ever again. If if Ric Flair was in that match, I think Mean Gene would interfere on his behalf just to make sure he still gets to see woman. Yes. Well, we've now got a montage of Hogan, who's been gone for months. Yeah, Virtuous for... Hogan smashing... Uh, killer heel and world champion the giant with a steel chair for no reason at all and there's a disco glitter ball so that can only mean one thing Liam Max Payne yep sorry I got the wrong genre didn't I uh, I think you did there fair enough I mean it's a mashup I'd be I'd be pleased to see it's it's the man that Rob McNichol is willing to pretend is a decent wrestler if it's the last thing he does. It's Disco Inferno. Twitter's favourite, Disco Inferno. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that Disco Inferno is the is the game shows of of wrestling. He's like that horrible, horrible genre, just like game shows are on TV. He's that horrible genre of wrestler. You see the blankety blank of WCW. Yeah, any any game show, they're all horrid. 
I'm just trying to insult everything Rob holds dear. I'll be going after Bristol Rovers next. Plymouth Argyle's his team. Bristol Rovers is who he works for. Big difference. Oh, I'll cut you now. Yeah. Well, let's face it. All, all, all those football teams over that side of the country, they're all the same. Yeah. Oh, it's Sergeant Craig Pittman with Teddy Long. Do you remember he was looking for a manager and he's found Yeah, one. I believe this is his second appearance with Teddy Long, at least on the Nitros, as we yes. as we kind of opined. We don't we are Ted- we weren't privy to these developments because Saturday night was getting all the storylines, but that won't be the case for much longer. Yeah, Teddy Long, uh, who is in his eating a tub of Hagen Dats before the show phase by the looks of things. Like like I could talk. Well, Jimmy Hart actually fat-shamed him on one episode of Nitro, didn't he? <laughs> Did he? We're talking about That's Pittman, it. right? No, no, Teddy Long. Ah, well, now no, they're both in that boat. But you you remember when Pittman was trying to get Jimmy Hart to... Oh, yes. And he, he fat-shamed like, yeah, he was... him. Yes, he did, didn't he? I remember now. He, look, he looks like he's lost weight and Teddy Long looks like he's found it, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you got Monday Nitro Fever, Dean? Disco's um, bottom does. I, I I thought I had Monday Nitro Fever, but it turned out to be COVID-19. Oh, wow. Oh, dear, that went badly wrong, didn't it? Now, it couldn't have got... It must have been an uh, optical illusion, because we know that Disco Inferno is a fantastic professional wrestler. Well, I think... Pittman was trying to block the arm drag, which he kind of did, but it looked really, really awkward. There were surely better ways to do that. Hey. Well, they're going to insist on keeping with these basic exchanges. Oh, until the eye poke. Oh, but he's now dancing. It looks like he's trying to seduce Teddy Long. That's uh, one and... thing he can do, Disco, is play to the crowd. Oh, I thought he meant to seduce Teddy Long. Oh, that too, sorry. Disco has to stop selling to be covered for a pinfall attempt. Was he seducing Teddy Long or was he asking him to make it a tag team match player? With The Undertaker. One on one with The Undertaker. Yes, right, that was my poor impression of Teddy Long. Uh, and uh, Disco tried to punch Pittman in the head and just hurt his own hand. So we're informed that Pittman's got a very hard head, even though he's not Samoan. Wait, what? Hey, what's happened? Disco oh, Inferno Disco. gave up before he was put in the move. Yes. Ah. <laughs> S- he's just explained to the camera he submitted because if Pittman had put him in the code red arm breaker, he wouldn't be able to dance anymore. Oh, man. See, that that is how you use a Disco Inferno. Very simple yeah. move. Ham to the crowd. Very simple move. Ham to the crowd. Silly comedic finish. Get him out of the ring. That, there's, there's disco management. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just a that quick just clip of a to-do there between Regal and Sting. That, that just puts over the Code Red as a dangerous move. 
it does indeed. The reason why I was so taken aback by that little teaser of the Sting Regal situation was because there was Regal clad in a suit looking very much like the William Regal we would come to know who flirted with a main event more than once in WWE, very much looking like Sting's equal. So the build for this has been good so far, other than him calling uh, Alex Wright Jr. Adolf at the last edition of Nitro. Yeah. But Regal looks disgusted with the people. Oh, now he's got a man that I think, as far as characters go, is the complete antithesis, the complete opposite of Lord Stephen Regal, yeah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. See, this makes good sense as a match leading into Regal versus Sting. Oh, yeah. But I won't lie, I would watch the hell out of Regal versus Duggan on the undercard oh. of a pay-per-view. Yeah. That, Regal, that... on, Regal's... Facial expressions are going to be tremendous as he is appalled by Duggan. This has match number two or three of a pay-per-view all over it, doesn't it? Yep. Hot opener, tag teams or cruiserweights, tear the house down, stick these guys in. A bit of crowd interaction. The result of this is obvious because we know that Regal's got a big match at the next pay-per-view. But as we've said before, Duggan is the kind of guy who is beloved by the crowd and he can lose this kind of a match and not be hurt by it one inch. Well, he was widely tipped to be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble this year, wasn't he? And I I was not with 100% confidence, but I really didn't think it would happen. Main reason being is if they were to ever get that opportunity to have him do a Rumble cameo, he's got live crowd. Yeah. The whole the whole thing about having a Duggan cameo is you've got to have that crowd back. Otherwise, it's just yes. not the same. Definitely. So, Regal is not happy with all the USA chants, obviously. Somehow. Regal's A-plus. overacting. He's yeah. just... Tremendous. I was just gonna say it's that A plus camera work, and you got you got a hacksaw like smiling and winking and gesturing to the fans. They have. I'm, I'm not a big fan of long stalls, but what they're doing so far is just really getting things built up, isn't it? Yes. Proper this hero. This is a place for a long stall, and I think <laughs> this is one of them. Incidentally, on the subject of uh, of hacksaws, one just want to say. Uh, that obviously recently we uh, we lost a WCW alumnus in Hacksaw Butch Reed, best known in our era, I suppose, as one half of the tag team of Doom that we have been on many uh, many of our pay per view reviews already, and a great loss to the wrestling world. Yeah, it's, it's easy to forget just how good a wrestler he was, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I saw the Dave Meltzers and the like uh, talking about. There were some of the singles matches he had with Ric Flair, where yeah. I know like a lot of people had great matches with Ric Flair, but even before Flair hit his peak, Reed was showing his 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 qualities in matches with Flair. Yeah, and I know we've uh, we've just started doing Clash of the Champions reviews. Our first one was in the last episode, number eighty-five, which was Clash Seventeen, the Rude and Sting show, basically with Joel Ross. And uh, a couple of clashes before that was the main event of Flair v. Butchery. So, yeah, we'll probably cover that at some point. 
yeah. in the future. Under the circumstances, that'd be bang up for uh, fast tracking that one. So, uh, Duggan has just been clotheslining Regal to the floor. I was going to say, maybe this is a bit of a callback, but Regal exchanged glares with Larry Zabisco, who he did have a bit of a program with in the mid-90s, didn't he? Yeah. Like a couple of years before this, he had a couple of matches, I believe, with Larry Zabisco. And at the moment, it is all Duggan, and Regal's facial expressions are just hilarious. Yeah, we talk about the art of selling, and that is just tremendous stuff. It's amazing how, so far on this show, we've had nothing remotely close to being... Uh, what will be considered a great match per se, and yet it's all been fantastic so far. It's thoroughly entertaining, and that is basically what wrestling is supposed to be, entertaining. Uh, you, you had you had Tenter and Ray Trailer set the table for their feud, doing so in, yep. a, in a quick, visually intriguing way that told you everything about their feud that you needed to know and they got out of there and they left the rest for another day. You had a fantastic tag team squash with the faces of fear and now you've got two masters that play into the crowd and even we we even had a... a, after they stopped trying to actually, you know, wrestle we had a good laugh at the antics of Disco Inferno. (laughs) Yes. Oh, who's that coming? And Shivani on commentary is... Uh... Oh, it's Taylor and Eaton who've come to the ring. The other Blue Bloods. Here's the three-point stance, but there's three of them. I didn't realise that Regal's posse was that large at this point. Yep, it was Earl, Earl Robert Eaton and Squire David Taylor. And Taylor has got the 4 by 4 Duggan is rat- taping his fist up. He's just smacked Eaton. And Regal rolls him up and gets just sneaks the win, basically. So that was a horrible finish, which is a shame. Because they've done the big yeah. distraction thing. Um, Duggan has hit his finisher on Regal and he's laid out on his back. And Duggan's next move was to grab his 2 by 4 and attempt to bludgeon a prone Regal. And Dave Taylor has essentially just stopped him from doing that by taking the wood away. He saved his life. Why didn't he just, like, yeah. you know, like most situations, just trip him up before the finisher or something? Uh, here comes Mean Gene. Oh, Mean Gene's earned his money tonight, isn't he? He is. Dave, Dave, Dave Taylor's being a humanitarian. <laughs> And when his two by four is taken away, his next move is to go for the taped fist. Yeah. He beats up an innocent man. I know I'm starting to sound like a heel commentator here, but <laughs> honestly, if you were heel commentating this show, then you really wouldn't have to spin things much to rationalise this. Oh, I'd be, I'd be you saying that Taylor should uh, be getting a medal or a, an MBE or something. But it's not like you, you're putting a lot of spin on it. It's legitimately what no. happened. But I thought, given that they're building Regal up for a big match with Sting, that they would give him a more um, 
a more convincing win. <laughs> so Gene said he was reprimanded and fined for what he did with Sting. And Regal's first comment is, uh, it's more than most of these fans will see in a year. And he said, I paid double signing credit. <laughs> oh, here we go. We see it again. Oh, something's happening. Uh, someone in the background was shouting, get the bloody police. Yeah. But everything He's is all right in the ring. <laughs> I don't know if there was a fan getting in the ring or if... Uh... I don't know, it's a bit confusing. But but now everything's back to normal and Dave Taylor's doing a great background man job, waving a miniature Union Jack. Yes. To think, 10 years after this, Regal and Taylor would be quite the team in WWE. Yes. They were in that infamous ladder match that smashed up Joey Mercury's face. Yes. So there's the two of them and, of course, my old mate Paul Burchill. Ah, you know Birchall, do you? I I, I managed him. Yeah. Do you remember? You, yeah, you uh, uh did you do some some sort of uh, legal discourse involving his career? Some I, uh, some sort of disclaimer. Some sort of disclaimer about broken bones. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly now. Oh, we've got Kevin Sullivan staring into the camera now. Oh, heaven forbid Birchall ever be next. found liable. Uh, I think the WWE put him off wrestling for life. <laughs> was that or was that, that the saying, first hand account? What you wish for. Was that the Couldn't first possibly. hand account? Couldn't possibly come. <laughs> so we've now got. Oh, oh, is there is there problems between? The Dungeon of Doom and the Horseman. We we are back to our favourite on off 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 situation between the Horseman and the Dungeon. But did you notice that Kevin Sullivan was wearing a Hulk Hogan bandana then? Yeah. What's all that about? I wish I could tell you, but clearly, as we don't watch enough Saturday Night, I don't have the answer. But this is basically the start of the infamous Benoit-Sullivan feud. So it mm. started off with Benoit being the one saying we shouldn't be doing business with the Dungeon of Doom. Mm. And obviously at Slambury, they were not a good team. Not at all. So we've just seen the public enemy putting Benoit through a table. With Sullivan's and, uh, help. Yes. Benoit was a serpent in the egg, apparently. So what's he saying now? He's going to do Arn and Rick a favour and squash Benoit. Is it, this definitely feels like an attempt to do something in the absence of Brian Pillman. Doesn't it? Yes. You can. Yes, because of course Pillman was the one who was uh, 
annoying Arn, wasn't he, with his antics? You can very much see something along these lines carrying on. But now it's Benoit, who's who's obviously playing a much straighter version than Pillman was. Pillman was clearly going to be the downfall of the horseman, wasn't he? He was, he was going to end up bringing it all yes. down uh, the way he was carrying on. Whereas Benoit is, you know, this is our group. We shouldn't be having any business with uh, with the dungeon. And, well, few... and Sullivan is just running through and started beating the living shit out of him. Is that Prince Ikea? He didn't get a chance to be introduced. Obviously, we're a good six months before he would get his inspiration for his gimmick from the other promotion. Mm. Yes, yeah, his, oh, yes, his debut. I'll say one thing about the squashes we've had in this show so far, Dean, is, is that Kevin Sullivan can do one hell of a squash match. Oh, yes. Whether or not he's dressed up as an old lady. Yeah, it's better when he is dressed up as an old lady or a Baywatch extra, but it looks like we're... I mean, you can tell he's got a pay-per-view match come up because he's actually... It looks like he's had a couple of sessions at the gym and hit the tanning salon for a change. And credit where it's due, Prince Ikea is selling this great. Some of these shots, it doesn't look like he needs to sell. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, He's tied up in the tree of woe. Time for the double foot stomp. I, I was, uh, yeah, I was tied up in the tree of woe once by Ulf Herman. <laughs> I remember Ulf Herman. He was good. Oh, he was awesome. Loved him. So uh, another quick uh, yep. and effective squash. Yep, Shivani just described that as a mugging. So, yeah, that is just, as you say, a, a complete squash. In fact, shorter than most squashes. But effective. Because it's the most menacing uh, Kevin Sullivan's looked in ages. At least Ooh. on this show. Yeah. Probably the most menacing he's been since they shaved Hogan's moustache off <laughs> on one of the early nitros. And made him look more of a junior Adolf than X Wright, apparently, allegedly, is according to Regal. <laughs> God, mean Gene is hustling tonight. He's back. He's earning his crust. And there's no woman in sight, and he's still volunteering for all these gigs. Oh, she she better turn up later. Uh, Jimmy Hart's moaning that he's yeah Jimmy Hart's not happy with the horseman situation no they've got the giant in the dungeon of doom they don't need anyone else including the horseman according to Jimmy Hart Sullivan has a story to tell. I just don't like Kevin Sullivan's promos. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's got an annoying drawl and it doesn't mm. fit his character at all. So it's it's like it's a double thing. 
he's shorter than Mean Gene, and he, he's shorter than Jimmy Hart, which just looks odd. So Sullivan says that Hulk Hogan's going to be coming for certain people when he's back in WCW. Ooh. And that uh, they are better off bonding together. It's it's funny how the the irony of that statement will become clear in in six weeks or so. Yes. It's showing footage from Super Bowl now. And they're spinning the whole Pillman thing like he ran out on the four horsemen and quit. Yeah. That whole match was such a mess. I mean, what was it supposed to That's achieve? Cool. To get the smart marks talking who are like 1% of the overall pub viewing public. Yeah. And confuse the other 99. That strategy works so well for WCW on countless occasions. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that promo was garbage. Ric Flair's up next, though. Uh, with woman and mean gene. And don't so we are hyping up the, uh, the match between Flair and Arn Anderson and Steve McMichael and Kevin Green, which, of course, all started out from uh, Flair flirting with Deborah McMichael in the audience. Yeah. And her crudely not accepting the champagne offer. Indeed. And here come the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, you didn't read it wrong, Dean. It, it really is them. Looking look just as old as they old do old now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We both say the same thing they, in different ways. They got to a point in the early 90s where they started looking extremely old and over the hill. And they've somehow managed to stay at that level for 30 years. <laughs> yes. They're still active, aren't they? Well, as active as COVID allows. Yeah, yeah. But before the pandemic, they were definitely taking a lot of bookings. And Flair and Anderson are wearing not just any American football shirts. They are wearing Michael and Green's shirts for their respective teams. However, Miss Elizabeth seems hell-bent on ensuring that no one notices what they're wearing. By wearing, go on, you say it. It's Lizzie Leverdine. And a woman who appears to be in a nighty. Well, she's just trying to keep her composure because she's got serious withdrawal symptoms from not cheating in a match that hopefully this tag team out in will, will remedy. Or flirting with Mean Gene. But can I also just point out that something that we saw in the background there that, that we both didn't acknowledge... The banquet table is out. What? I repeat, the banquet table is out. Right, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. Let's, let's stop this podcast. We've gone as far as we can. What is because WCW without the banquet table? No, no, no. It's, it's there. It's out. As in, it's, it's. Oh, it's, you, you it, had me worried for. Yeah. Be more specific, especially when I'm this tired and this stupid. The banquet table is in position. It is in situ. Phew. I, I really would have shut this podcast down if, if it wasn't there. You're listening to Because Banquet Table. 
the podcast. podcast where the big foods play. <laughs> I bought duck burgers this week. I haven't eaten them yet, but I can't wait. That's Friday's treat, duck burgers. Is this the, uh, of the foie gras variety? No, just minced up duck. I have uh, at a food stall in Waterloo. I once had a, a foie gras duck burger. It was incredible. Then you hear the uh, the story about foie gras, and you're like, "What have I done?" Yeah, yeah. I, I can't say. I, I I can't say I eat, eat it for that very reason. But so I believe we've now got a countdown to the second hour of Nitro. They're literally counting down to what I believe is the moment that they get into competition with uh, with Raw, which is why they've put Flair out. Either that or the ring's going to explode like an Anita match. Oh, close. Yeah. <laughs> Fireworks. Anderson's looking like, what the fuck's going on? Flair has left the ring. Flair is selling the, the pyro. <laughs> yeah. When the second hour of the TV show gets a bigger intro than you. Quick sip of champagne before he tags in. That is one hell of a banquet table. They've yeah. got legitimate cold cuts on there this time. And I like to think that when uh, the world gets back to normal and we have the next W because WCW big night out, we will have a banquet table to rival. Absolutely. If we ever do a live version of because those W maybe oh, a hook can on you party, imagine? we need a banquet table. Yes. We'll take we'll take it to questions from our audience and one of them will stand up and go, my question to you, Dean and Liam, is this. What is the deal between Sting and Lex Luger? <laughs> I thought the question was going to be, can I have a slice of ham? Which the answer would be, <laughs> fuck off. Well, I wouldn't say that because I don't swear anymore. Of course you don't, no. So here we go. This is Ric Flair v Ricky Morton, a match we will have seen many times before. The ultimate heel versus the ultimate babyface. And these these two, had, or, or, or was it these two who had a bit of a singles run in the NWA days? I think they did, yeah. Oh, and a big chop from Flair, which Morton sold brilliantly and then fired straight back again. The infamous rub in the face in the concrete angle, if I remember correctly. Ah. Remember that one? No. Horseman rubbed it. Horseman just ground his face into the concrete. Nice. Tried to leave a Rock and Roll Express face print in a paving slab. Oh, talking of the word nice, I was uh, talking to a a wrestling promoter, I won't say who, um, today. And uh, he mentioned to me that the next show they promote will be show number 69. Nice. Yeah. So now I've got to figure out what promotion is about to promote their 69th show. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make a big deal of it in that way. They should should call the show nice with a full (laughs) stop at the end. So uh, we've got Bischoff now on the commentary with Heenan, and he's talking about the fact that 
McMichael and uh, Kevin Green are going to be giving up, obviously, loads of experience to Anderson and uh, Flair, but that they might have the physical advantage because they're American football players and they're you know, trying their careers. Yeah, there, there's always a story to tell. If, if you're going to convince professional athletes from other sports into the wrestling ring, you can tell the story that they are indeed. Obviously, they've got all the physical attributes to to be able to handle themselves in a in a competitive contact sport. But there is there there are all these things that a wrestler knows: ring generalship, going on the ropes, working a leg, luring them into positions that are disadvantageous. You, I mean, as as a commentator or an analyst, you can really have a field day with that sort of psychology. Oh yeah, because. The, the match is going to, and I'm sure we'll, when we get to cover that, because we haven't done that show yet, but, you know, the match will be predominantly storyline because that's what that's what will, will draw the crowd in. They're not going to watch it for, you know, the great technical wrestling. It's for the story and the entertainment. And Flair is throwing an absolute shit fit at ringside because the horsemen are not getting their way in this match. <laughs> shoves the referee, lands on his backside when he gets shoved back and he retreats to the banquet table. Oh, just for a chair. I thought he was going to help himself to a couple of those delicious looking tomatoes. I wish I was at the Ric Flair banquet table for a wrestling match. Now that'd be a VIP option. Oh, it's something that should be brought back. Definitely something should be brought back. So we've now gone to a commercial break in the middle of this match. Which is why Flair was hamming it up as well. Yeah. This is obviously going to be the longest match of the show so far, maybe even full stop. But we do have Steiner Sting Luger, don't we? So We do. Oh, Bischoff's trying Bischoff's trying to be an auctioneer with his commentary, with his play by play. Heenan is comparing Ricky Morton to and his wrestling ability to Michael and Green. <laughs> Before going to town on their actual football achievements again. Yes. So now Flair is taken over the odd sneaky punch. We're back now in the we're back now to the chops and punches routine in the corner. And Ricky Morton is basically fighting off both horsemen. Oh, massive dosey do the Irish whip. Yeah, and woman is screaming something. She hasn't been able to cheat yet. She must be really uh, suffering. So now Anderson in the ring with a prone Ricky Morton. And he's positioned him right near the ropes, right near where Woman and Elizabeth are, which makes me wonder if... Uh, look, look, Woman has got to be itching to just scratch someone's eyes or choke someone. I don't know how she's coping without...
and he's thrown Morton out to the floor and Flair is now taking over, whipping him into the guardrail. Yeah, Flair is more than happy to do all of the cheating. It's just a bonus if he gets to do it alongside the woman. Mm-hmm. So they're they're going to deliver a proper full-length match here. They are. Old school style. Heenan's still going on about the fact that apparently the pay-per-view is on Father's Day and he's telling Michael and Green to write their cards and speak to their kids the day before because their jaws will be wired shut and they won't be able to write a card by the end of the match. Which is which is a weird rant to go on because I could have swore that the... Uh... Oh, no, you know, I'm... Never mind me, I'm thinking of Mother's Day. I was going to say, Mother's Day is in May in America, because it's different to ours. But yeah, they, they have Father's Day in June as well, don't they? I have no idea where the Americans have their ones. On, but I know, yeah. Ignore I know me. we have a different Mother's Day, because uh, quite often when British people put, you know, Happy Mother's Day on uh, Twitter, which always seems weird anyway, um, you get panicked Americans who then realise, oh no, I haven't missed it and forgotten my mum. It's the British Mother's Day one. You, you think that's something? You wait till they see where we drive our cars. Oh, man. <laughs> this match is still going on. This is going on for bloody ages by Nitro terms, isn't it? Extended heat period in a Rock and Roll Express tag team match? No, don't be daft. <laughs> I suppose this is an advantage of a two-hour Nitro. You can have longer matches. And that, that's variety being the spice of life. Get the squashes in there. Get a couple of, like, six to eight-minute sprints. And, yeah, one yeah. or two proper-length matches. And as you say, I'd imagine the, the Steiners v. Steer Luger match will be lengthy. Yeah. Or pro- probably without the definitive finish that I expect this one to have. Yes. Spire oh, Buster. Buster. And he floats over rather than rolling away, as he normally does. Arn Anderson floats over, gets the cover, and Ricky uh, Robert Gibson has to make the save. Did you see that WWE social media post last week, I want to say? It was very recent, where they had the audacity to uh, to ask their followers on social media who had the better spine buster, and they offered up a list of different wrestlers' spine busters, and it didn't include Arn Anderson. Well, that's because he works for AEW now. And oh, I know, but to, the the ratio on that social media, it was just absolutely littered with people saying, "Yeah, Arn Anson, Arn Anson, Arn Anson, where's Arn Anson?" Yeah. And let's let's face it, I know there's the there's the politics of you don't want to be like actively promoting to where where actual money's on the line, but. If you're going to have a, a, a streaming service, right now we're watching WCW on the WWE Network. If you're going to have all these archives of that, you've got to be capable of acknowledging actual history. Yeah. Especially in a simple little tweet. Or, if you don't want to acknowledge people who work for the opposition as such, don't have a 
poll about who's got the best spine buster when you know that a large proportion of people will say Arn Anderson. I can't wait for them to run a poll on the best DDT where they leave out Jake the Snake. Because he <laughs> because he shows up on one episode of Dynamite every three weeks. Exactly. It's so petty. Well, then Michael P.S. Hayes has a good one, but obviously no one was as good as Jake. Ironically, Arn Anderson would rank pretty highly on that list as well. He would, yeah. I very nearly took the DDT from Jake the Snake, but I didn't. The FWA. Was it was it because was, he uh, was arrested before the appearance? Or? No, no, no. He was he was at the show, and um, I was the heel manager in the main event. And um, the idea was, yeah, we'd be bringing Jake. Anderson goes for so Ricky Morton for a three count. But my commentator's instinct of not talking over the three count. Um, no, he, we were going to be using him in the FWA for several shows, and then there was a, a disagreement before the show began, and basically they decided that they were just using him for that one show, and that was it. And so they basically um, got him to DDT the ref and put a stake on the ref instead of me, because they basically said um, he's not going to come back to the next show. You are, so we we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, we want to keep your heat. So um, yeah, I, I, that. Which all makes perfect sense. Don't, don't get me wrong. I completely understand and agree with what they did. But, um, but yeah, at the same time, it's a shame that he gets taken to the oh. oh, Anson's still keeping him separate. Is this a DDT? Heenan's left the booth, apparently. Oh, ah, oh, because you said about him managing, didn't you? Yes. So Heenan's going to ringside. It's not a DDT attempt. It's just a really long front face it's lock. A front face lock of Grovet, as it's known in the UK. And Heenan's gone up to Woman and Liz in leather. And oh, he's, he's looking very smug and he's now walking back. He He's done the old American football thing of, of just uh, depositing a play from the playbook on them, I believe. Ah. Because you see, Arn, Arn himself does like the American football thing. On if you watch Dynamite, he he has like a a, a, oh, a like little a yeah, like a dossier of plays, and and then he brings it up over his mouth so no one can see what he's saying to Cody. Little little American oh. football touches like that. So the so hot the tag hot has finally tag... been made. Yes, we were both excited to get that one out. Well, did you see that? The way that Gibson was going to go for the go for a drop kick, didn't get his footing right, or Anderson held back, and so he just transitioned into a back elbow. That was nice. Yeah, just covered it really, really well. It was also hard to tell if it was a fake of a drop kick or a super kick, but it now makes me want to see someone like the Young Bucks do that, like fake a super Ooh. kick but land a quick back elbow and then carry on on the offense. And. Uh... Gibson's trying to roll Flair up on the road. Oh, there's woman. Oh, she feels much there better now. She's much better. Now she's been able to cheat. And that gets uh, an arm drape over cover from Flair. Woman yeah. cheating on DDT and everything is right with the world, Dean. 
indeed, all is well. Oh, and as I say, all is well. <laughs> my my stream just cut out for a second, but I'm uh, I am back. You're gonna hang in there. I may I may be a second or two behind you now, but yes. If it's as a second, say, we can cope with that. Yes. I've, we're just seeing the uh, replay now of a woman scratching the eyes of uh, Gibson and Nick the BBT. And that is all you need. And they're giving Heenan the assist for that. Yeah. Oh, no, five minutes the, prior, oh, look, he came and whispered in the Sound the mean gene with woman klaxon. <laughs> So armed with a Stephen Michael jersey beforehand. Because <laughs> he, 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 they, they did a thing where he was struggling to uh, get the jersey off before the match. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yes. He's saying he's too big and thick to be a footballer. His 10-year-old kid would have struggled to get that shirt over his head, apparently. <laughs> So he's saying they're bigger than American footballers. Their necks are thicker. Where in the devil did you get that jersey? From a store, Mean Gene. You can buy them pretty much anywhere. Even before the internet. Yes. (laughs) Flair's still got a hankering for Deborah. Oh, Flair's gone. Flair's gone nuts. Flair's gone. Flair. Flair's gone. Flair. But he's also creating a separation between woman and mean gene, which must make her sad. <laughs> he's all night long, Liam. Classic Flair promo. Here's the brain. You don't get a character like. Could actually? Could you? Could you do a character like Ric Flair nowadays in the in the world we live in nowadays, or would it be uh, considered wrong? Shall I say? I mean, you 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 and I have often said um, there, there's there's plenty of room in wrestling for horrible characters. They just have to get their comeuppance. Yes. Uh, a great modern example is the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. On which, which has um, been running for 16 years and counting, and is full of the, you know, so some of the skits and the, and the the things the characters do and the people the characters are, oh, they're horrible people, but they never uh, they never get the better. They always end up worse off because they are horrible people right. and they never prosper. I see. So, and one he, of them's just bought Wrexham, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um. So, what's Heenan saying here? So, oh, Heenan says he'll never manage again, and Flair is screaming, what about the girls? What about the girls? It's a different time, Liam. Now he's opening a, a briefcase. Yeah. What's he got? He's... 
He's got the All Madden Trophy. I'm not familiar with what that is, but. He's keeping it far away from the camp. Oh, he's not going to manage them, but he's going to coach them. They're just going full on with the American football mannerisms. They're going to lose us a little bit, but... Yeah. But I, I like the fact that he's got that trophy that he kept far away enough from the camera that you couldn't see what was written. Well, oh, flares off again. He's only had two sips of champagne. Yes. Old woman is within flirting distance of Jean, but she didn't touch him. She was relatively well behaved. And Mean Jean has been given a glass of champagne. I think I think well, woman was uh, I think woman was just annoyed that Mean Jean was going around interviewing everyone else that night. Yeah. Uh, there's Hogan again. I don't understand why we're getting lots of lots of Hogan uh, clips when he's nowhere to be seen. Especially considered what he'd be the next time he does show up. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think you would want people to kind of just forget about him for a moment. To um. Oh, we can't handle that. Hey, when Pooch is not in the room, Liam. He can, he can handle, yeah, he can handle that about as well as he can handle his daughter dating specific types of people, apparently. Mm. Another Glacier promo. Yes. He's known them for quite some time. I am a massive fan of making sure no one ever forgets what Hulk Hogan has said and done. As much as he'd like to shovel it under, under the carpet. (laughs) <laughs> Drain is not managing he is coaching he's already corrected Bischoff <laughs> all their lives they've had 18 coaches telling them what to do wrestling's different and he, he called them palookas which is instant points yeah. Well, Bischoff saying the deck is stacked against McMichael and Green. We'll have to cover that pay-per-view soon, won't we? We will. And that was the one where, that's where McMichael joins the horseman, isn't it? Oh, you spoiled it. Sorry. It's oh, another Hogan promo. Another Hogan promo. It's like they know I'm trying not to swear this episode. I just swore for you. Thank you. You're a good friend. I, I try my best. Oh, my word. What is... It's getting ridiculous. I suppose they're showing us this while they quickly deposit another round of Hulk Hogan merchandise to the front row. Yeah. And they show him slapping Vader in the face. Oh, Hogan and Vader had a couple of good matches. Well, when, when he was finally willing to actually work with Vader. And we, one man uh, gang. 
remember we covered Super Bowl five that opened with the infamous Paul Rome Alex Wright match and it closed with oh, yeah. Hogan Vader. They're at a spot where they actually no sold each other's finishers. Ooh. Which was kind of cool because they did it to each other, that sort of thing. Just a natural rivalry, wasn't it? Hogan and Vader. But it was just the match you thought you wouldn't see, basically. Mm. I don't know why we've got so much look at Hulk Hogan, everybody, in this on this show. It's like they're it's as if they're filling for time to fill up a two-hour show. Yeah, I, I think without all this guff, I think it would have been an hour episode of Nitro. I think we could have had, rather than having this, we could have had another two minutes of the Faces of Fear beating up high voltage. Yeah, a couple more belly-to-belly superplexes. That, yeah. was a, that was a good squash. That was really, really good for a squash. I mean, they gave them a couple of offensive moves at the beginning, you know, and then they took over. I was even willing to give it... Uh, you were right about their one-trick pony selling, but considering the fact that they were being repeatedly dumped on their backs, I was even willing to give them a pass for that. It's like, you want to arch your back? Here you go, arch your back off this. Belly-to-belly superplex. Yes. <laughs> and here comes Ice Train, one of the alumni of the awesome 1993 Halloween Havoc six-man tag opener. And as it turns out, a friend of a friend of the podcast. Yes, a friend of Doug Williams, no less. May, maybe that might lead to an interview. We'll have to just keep begging, won't we? I think so. Please I reckon we'll get ask him if you'll come on the podcast. Please, 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 sugar on top. Hang on. Hang on. Didn't we slag him off on here before we realised he was a friend of Doug's? I mean, I'll stand by any criticisms I've made. I, I think I've proven to myself to be pretty fair and case by case. But if you actually came on the podcast, I'd be nice as pie. Of course. Here comes the giant, everyone. So I wonder if Ice Train's going to win this one. <laughs> but look, this is back in the day where Paul White could actually strap a belt around his waist. <laughs> Ronald McDonald soon put pay to that. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Marlborough. <laughs> but actually, thought... they don't, they don't. They don't, that won't make you fat. It's I was going to say, I thought they were supposed to make you slim. Not that I'd ever know, because I find them repulsive, but yes, maybe I could do with them. So, obviously, Ice Train is a very big lad in his own right, but he is dwarfed by the giant, which is obviously the point of this. They've been spot on with their uh, opponent selection for the giant on TV, haven't they? They have had him manhandling other big men just to really establish. Because they had that recent one-upsmanship thing, didn't they, between him and his next changer, Lex Luger. Where you see him oh, lift up yes. a big man for a choke slam, and then Luke would hoist up a big man in the rack. Yes, I remember that now. Intense stare down. Yeah, Ice Train is looking like he's psyching himself up. This is this is a very good non-verbal storytell right now. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy Hart grabs his leg to distract him. Oh, wow. Oh, and this might be it. It's just grabbed him for a choke slam, 
and he's down. And a, a, the most nonchalant cover you'll ever see in your life, leaning back and doing a double bicep pose, and that's it. I tell you what, Ice Train might as well be called South Eastern Railways because he wasn't <laughs> very old. He's Scott Norton. Oh. Taking umbrage with the cheap Jimmy Hart tactic and I guess setting up our next big man opponent. Yeah. Oh, and here comes the giant and he's now grabbed Norton and the next big big name of big man opponent is choke slams to the floor. Here's a bit of advice, Eric Bischoff. If you're going to do the commentary thing of, oh, he can't do it, he can't get him up, don't say it when he's in the middle of the air. <laughs> and the only way he's down from there. So, Here come uh, the paramedics. Yeah. And some... Re- I was going to say, there's a couple of indie wrestlers or, or trainees yeah, there. Well, I thought they were there to get a choke slam. Yeah. Oh, and here's Mean Gene again. Bloody hell, Mean Gene, you're all over the place. Oh. And if Poochie's not in the room, everyone should be asking Dean. Where's Poochie? Yeah, so he takes umbrage with the uh, the Hulk Hogan videos. I'm the one who eliminated him. Oh, yeah, the Macho Man's nowhere to be seen at the moment, is he? Oh, he's saying he wants to eliminate Luger next. Ah, because Luger got between him and Jimmy Hart. It's a bit of tacked-on storytelling there, isn't it? Because that's not really been how they've weaved the story. Mm. Really, where it's due, Ice Train got himself up really well for that joke. Mm. You you think that'd be Lee? Oh. So, Scott Norton was actually meant to wrestle Hugh Morris next. I was going to say you'd think they'd lead to a, another impressive squash match for the Giant, but you, you have to wonder if that's even necessary now. So, Scott Norton's lying flat on his back with a trainer beside him. And the trainer is checking his pulse for some reason. I don't know what that's going to help with. So we've got Scott Norton prone in the ring and Hugh Morris coming down for his match with Scott Norton, which, as you say, Liam, is, we presume isn't going to happen. And his stable mate, the Giant, has done him a massive solid. Of course, yes. Do you know He's what? I'm just glad with Bill DeMott coming to the ring, I'm just glad those trainees have gone. <laughs> So it's a good point, well made. Hmm. Take the swearing away and I'll just get vicious in other ways. Yeah. Did the bell ring? 
So he's immediately pouncing on Norton with a leg drop. And I guess we're having this match after all. Scott Norton's going to have this match, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> I, I believe is the phrase. Yeah. The, um, yeah Sorry, I didn't do a bad American accent with it, did I? Hooked on Wrestling um, interviewed the, uh, the, the young girl now grown up who did that British Bulldog line, didn't, didn't I? They did. Remember that? Yes. The young girl who everyone thought was a young boy. <laughs> For years, and then discovered it was a girl. Now, what's going on here? We've got, we've got Hugh Morris elbowing Scott Norton, but not covering him. Yeah, he did, he did, a, he did a pinky finger cover and then pulled it off at two. He's... So as they're trying to put over that Hugh Morris is deranged. Don't worry, his uh, professional disciplinary reports that future employers will show us that. Oh dear. It's just it's shooting fish in a barrel, isn't it? I think he's going and getting ready for the uh, chokes now. Oh, Scott Norton's getting up. Scott Norton is waiting for him to miss his moonsault. Oh dear, that one. He was going to try and catch a moonsault, but he couldn't. Oh wow. <laughs> that he was ugly. He should have just let him miss and then. Yeah, yeah. That was ugly. Did you see how Norton slapped him in the face and looked rather pissed off? I'm not sure if that was. Uh, <laughs> I think that was legit. As you say, he doesn't look happy with something. I think Scott Scott Norton is about as big a fan of humorous as he is of North Korea. That may have been a bit too inside baseball. <laughs> but yeah, read, nah. read uh, everyone listening, really do read uh, Nitro. The well, guy I was going to say that the... Um... The uh, North Korea show is going to be one of the um, season three of um, Dark Side of the Ring episodes. That'll be fun. Mm. So we've just had a, a brief strategy session between Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green, which is basically the blind leading the blind. You'd think you'd think they'd get a babyface wrestler in to be their to be their coach. Yeah, I mean, but but who is available? Who Cannot actively wrestle one who hates Ric Flair. Um, oh, my, my mind's blanking. Yeah. Oh. There must be someone. We'll think someone. So we've still got Sting and Luke with the Steiners. Oh, here we go. We have got a longer look now at Michael and Green's coaching, Yippee. which I think we've seen before. Mm. Oh no, this is this is different. Now, this one's different because it's going to be even more cringe. Though I do love seeing all the old school pay-per-view posters up yeah. on the wall of the see Shy Town Rumble and old full brawls at the full power plant. There, yeah. yeah. Um the um 
just like to say that the uh, subtitles called him Margo. I preferred Mango. Uh, yeah, not as good as Mango. So Kevin Green is now coaching Mongo in doing a, a, a three-point stance on a wrestler. This is this is cringe. You're right. But hey, he can rip a can of Diet Coke in half. That's what he can do. He's snapping into a Slim Jim. Is that a hint? I think it might be. But Arn Anderson's got that DDT. Just when you thought we were free of listening to Mongo talk now, he's not on commentary. Yeah, I know. I want to know where Pepe the dog is. He's he's the forgotten dog of WCW. He's that, just been furloughed, basically. That poor dog. Maybe he's going to dress Kevin Green the way he dressed the dog. Oh, that's true. Oh, here we go. This promo. Although they've decided they need a manager or a coach. He's looked at the Slim Jim. He's he's still suspended from wrestling, but they can get him as a coach. He can manage, yeah. Now, the, the worrying thing with that was... They would have done multiple takes of that, and that was the best they could get Mongo to do. <laughs> I think Heelan, Heelan's gone silent. Mm. Here come the Steiner brothers, Rick, and and, and and Scott, who just looks like, I'm not sure if he can't be arsed or he's just angry, or both. He's really, he's just, week after week, he just gets more and more disgruntled with the fact that he has to, presumably he has to slap the hands of fans. And oh, big, big Papa Pump is just like begging to come out at this point, isn't he? Yeah, not like that. <laughs> Here's food for thought for you, for you on the uh, entrance theme situation. Uh, the yeah. Steiners came out to that lame duck Steinerized theme tune. Yep. And it was followed by A Man Called Sting, another lame song. But more importantly, not only are they both lame, but they may as well be the same song because it took me a long time to realise that the tune had changed. But that's how similar say, they are. Yeah. I was just about to say before you before you did that, I was just about to say how um, the DJ had sound seamlessly mixed the t- blended the two tunes in, but yeah, it, it does point out how they're clearly written by the same bloke because they sound very similar. I don't think we've got DJ Ran on Nitro just yet, thankfully. No, oh, it's a shame. So this is a tag team championship match. Yes, belts are on the line. So, 
I mean, based on what we've been saying, I don't know how much longer these the, these belts are going to be remaining around the waist of Sting and Luger, but I, I can't see them changing the title on, on Nitro. I'd imagine it would be a pay-per-view, but you, you never know. Agreed. But meanwhile, Macho Man is trying to call into the show. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Why is he trying to phone into... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, I see. It's Savage. Sorry. He's the Macho Man is on him. the phone. He's out of control, though, Liam. He is. Well, he's not there because he's suspended and he can't wrestle. Yeah. Can you wrestle? Nope. <laughs> and the wrestlers are having to go super slow to start because... Um, they're doing this aside. But he's confirming it will coach Mongo and Green. Can I just say, at the very point you said the wrestlers are being told to go slow, Scott Stein hit a tilt-a-whirl slam on Sting. He hates so me more than he hates the fans. Yeah. Oh, Heenan now is on the phone to Macho Man. Heenan's got nothing against him, apparently. Bishop found that hilarious. Yes. Bischoff's been seen on screen wearing his glasses. He must hate that. <laughs> so Heenan is saying, I won't bother you if you don't bother me. And then Macho Man says, it's the weakest thing I've heard in my life. Bischoff's loving this. Keenan's got his head in his hands. Right, we may switch to the actual match now they've done that. Yeah. To think they could have run that promo separately instead of 5,000 Hulk Hogan promos. Exactly. Exactly. But why didn't they do that? Nope. Because. WCW. W. It's been a while since we've pulled off that one, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've now got Luger and Rick Steiner in the ring. Is that Rick Steiner or a zebra? Half a zebra. Half a zebra, sorry. And apparently, I don't know if you read uh, this week that um, Rick Steiner's son has been training at the uh, Performance Centre. Yep. He, uh, he was drafted by one of the NFL sides, but he was cut. And when I, when I saw the news that I thought to myself, how long is it before he makes the obvious transition? And here, there he is. He's, he's starting the journey. So that Flying Bulldog. He wasn't, he wasn't picked up by an NFL team. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll draft large rosters of players, but they'll make cuts during the off-season. Because you'll remember right. the same process happened to Brock Lesnar. Oh, yes. He, he was cut quite early. They didn't see a future for him. But the UFC did. And that was much more down his alley, wasn't it? Definitely. Especially right. as they Sting let him juice to his gills. Sorry, just to interrupt. But Sting <laughs> has come in and is just a million miles an hour. First move was a Stinger splash. Second move was a Scorpion Deathlock on Rick Steiner. But Scott Steiner 
made the save and clotheslined Sting to the canvas. And now Rick has tagged him in. So now it's Scott and Rolling Sting. Thunder Suplex. I didn't think he actually started doing that until the latter days. But that, that what, the... spinning belly to belly, I love that move. No, he'd been doing that for ages. He's, he was doing that. I'm sure he did that in that match against the Nasty Boys. He'd been doing that a while. I can't even say I remember that. Oh, top rope Frankenstein. With snap. And Luger makes the save. I've not seen Scott Steiner do a top rope Frankenstein before. I'm sure I haven't. Unless we're both having some kind of Scott Steiner move amnesia right now. Oh, this is just big move after big move. Now, now that the Savage thing has ended, this is going yeah. breakneck speed. But, um, yeah, on, on your point about... The... just hit what turned out to be a scorpion death drop yeah. before it was a scorpion death drop. Um, on the top rope Frankensteiners, Scott started doing them more frequently as he got older and it was not possible for him to do the classic one. He would always oh. get a pop for doing it in like 99, 2000 every now and then. And he definitely loved to bust it out in big TNA matches. Right. Because well, it was a bit easier and safer went to, to Sorry, I was just going to say, Luger went to get some, got Rick Steiner up in the, um, sorry, got Scott Steiner up in the torture act. But literally within seconds of doing that, Rick Steiner made the save bit of psychology and storytelling there because just like last week, Luger went for a suplex on the outside and it was broken up by a Rick Steiner cheap shot. That was the, the all gut. the stuff they were arguing about in that little segment. Yes, indeed. Things are breaking down now. Yeah, this, this isn't very friendly, is it? I mean, this, this is all well and good. This is a good little storyline, apart from the fact that Sting and Luger have two entirely different things at the pay-per-view. They want people to spend money to watch. Oh. No, not the banquet table. Please, not the banquet table. They've, they've got a security guard there. Oh, thank heavens. Here's the giant. Oh, he goes for Rick Steiner. Oh, that was ugly. Oh, blimey, that didn't work well, did it? Rick Steiner oh, did Bischoff not want to take the bump. Yeah, Rick, Rick did not want to take that back bump, did he? Not on the... Uh, oh, cameraman's just... Uh... Bumped better than Rick Steiner. Yes. So the Giant is in the ring and now getting beaten up by Luger. Is it Luger and Giant for the... World title, yes. And it's getting a big pop that Luger's fighting back because the crowd have seen what Giant has done to everyone else. Fire Ooh. and ice, the Steiners. It's a big deal that Luger is going toe-to-toe with him. Giant misses a charge into the corner and now, now Sting and Scott Steiner are joining and everyone's basically beating the Giant up. To a huge reception. He has yeah. reunited the old friends who were at each other's throats. Like two minutes ago. <sighs> and Luger with that big forearm, the forearm that's got a steel plate in it, of course, from his bike crash. This is, even though they couldn't deliver an actual match finish, this is quite the finish to the show. I think this is uh, 
this is a better finish in many ways. Well, because they built the entire premise, the threat of the giant, the the situation between those involved, the crowd popped huge. It paid off. Well, we uh, we we've got a pay per view coming up. Maybe maybe one of our forthcoming guests could review this with us. Yeah, we'll try and get the time in sweet if we can. But that'd be a good one to do. We've already done Bash at the Beach, obviously, but Great American Bash is a great show. I think we've pondered this out loud already. We'll try and get the title. Oh, here's someone we saw last week. Oh, hello. Yes. I was wondering if he'd show up. Here comes Scott Hall in his denim outfit again. Double denim. (laughs) Still very much Razor Ramon, by the way. Yes. Just relax, Chico. Called him Kendo again. Uh, he had such a good time last week, he came back for more. You started it. <laughs> the implications I mean, heavy. It. Yes. But what do you mean we? You know who. Yeah. Hmm. All Sting's come over. Oh. Sting, one man who's never been to a WWE at this point, or WWF at this point in time, of course. I love the way Bischoff goes, don't even dignify it, and then puts a microphone under his nose. And Sting is now confronting Scott Hall. (laughs) You're in the jungle, he says to Scott Hall. This is WCW, the jungle. I mean, the main reason WWE would not have liked this isn't because it's copyright infringement, but because it's actually exciting TV. (laughs) Uh, And the challenge is being laid down for a six-man tag. Bischoff does not want it, trying to really play up the... Of all the things that are settling in the ring, and Bischoff is like, no, we can't do this. Yeah. Really set, especially at the time, it really sets this aside, doesn't it? Yes, and he's looking at the camera like, can we cut this off? And yeah. Oh, toothpick to sting. Did he carry on with the toothpick, or did he did he get rid of that? Eventually, that's one of the things that, that, that they had to move off to avoid hot water. Yeah. So, Sting slapped him in the face, and the police are here now. There we go. Big surprise for yeah. Sting next week. Yeah. We know what that will be. Oh, yes. Well... It looks like that brings this episode of Monday Nitro to a close. And I have got to say, uh, a definite big thumbs up for me. Mm, there's a, a, absolutely a, a couple of hiccups along the way. And there's definitely a little bit more of a, of a drag at times compared to the one hour episode. 
But yeah. yeah, absolutely, far far more good than bad. We we listed at length what those were. The, the variety of things is really important. You had two marquee matches, a ton of squashes. When people say, should we go back to TV shows in, in wrestling having loads of squash matches? I think the answer is in this episode, no. But you can have some. Mix it up. Yeah. Change it up. And the thing is, the, the what we're calling, and, and what were squash matches, it wasn't with, you know, John Smith, who you've never seen before. It was with contracted talent, but obviously lower level talent. I mean, and having said that, someone like Ice Train, who, you know, has been competitive, has had wins before. The fact that he's beaten like, like he's beaten just emphasises things for the for the Giant. Yeah, and it's no um, harm to him because he's a tag team wrestler with Scott Norton now. And and they they got Jimmy Hart interfering to, to help things along. Exactly. So, um, yeah, just um, cause I always like to it's over on the other side on WWE, WWF, I should say, Monday Night Raw, which is still an hour at this point in time. Um, they had a King of the Ring qualifying match, which was Steve Austin when he was the ringmaster beating Bob Holly with the Million Dollar Dream. So that kind of uh, dates that and tells you where things were with Steve Austin at that point. Of course, this King of the Ring tournament was where uh, Austin 316 would be born. And, and from there, things took off massively. Um, Mankind beating Barry Hogwarts. Uh, Phineas Godwin and Henry Godwin beating Techno Team 2000 and Jake Roberts beats Hunter Hearst Helms in another King of the Ring qualifying match. So I think definitely uh, thumbs up to Monday Nitro that week. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that show. And it's oh, it's going to be interesting to see how we get along with regular two-hour shows, but that one was worth yeah. watching. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so next week we have a main event of the World Tag Team titles are on the line again with Sting and Luger this time defending against Flair and Anderson. Um, we got another tag team match, which is, I, don't, I think this probably be the second time they've met at this point in time, the Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys. Um, Lord Stephen Reeg was in action again. Um, Giant is against Scott Norton for the world title, so that's obviously been set up last week. And another match that was set up this week, Squire David Taylor and Jim Duggan. Um, yeah, we've also got Sting against Meng, that'll be good. Um, DDP and Jim Powers and Booker TV Scott Steiner. So, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches um, from Wheeling, West Virginia. So, so yeah, it, it looks like Squire David Taylor against Hexford Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan is looking for revenge over that no good Dave Taylor stopping him from committing murder on live TV. Indeed. And, mm. uh, of course, we'll have uh, an appearance at some point during the show of Scott Hall with his big mate. Yeah. Oh, he didn't and say I... his big mate. He said he's got a big surprise. So thanks for big spoiling surprise. it, Dean. <laughs> Way Sorry to go, Ayas. 25-year-old spoilers. But of course, isn't that the interview where Kevin Nash says, look at the adjective, play? Oh, maybe. My, would this be the first instance of something from our from our I introduction so. being on? We I haven't done so. Shockmaster. We haven't done Viagra on a pole match yet. I don't think we'll ever get to Viagra in a pole match because I'm not enjoying Please two don't. years' worth of three-hour nitros no, to get there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I think it will be. Well, there you go. Ah. So, I've got right. to say, though, not only has this been a good watch-along, Dean, 
Uh, it's been a lot of fun, but I I'm really glad I went for the no swear version. I've got to say, I feel absolutely fucking great. Oh. Oh yeah, but we've stopped watching Nitro now, so this is the uh, this is the epilogue. Maybe you'll, you can get away with it there. Probably not, especially as I don't foresee this ever happening again. It was tough, especially when Hogan showed up every five minutes. Oh God! Well, I swore for you. That was terrible. Oh. Well, yes. Well, that does that does bring before Liam starts swearing again. That does bring this episode of because like I'm Father Jack. <laughs> to, to, to a close um, if you enjoyed this please do go uh, go online rate and review us subscribe to us from wherever you get your podcasts from and you can follow us on twitter at because wcw or um, on facebook facebook.com forward slash because wcw we'll be back very soon we're just lining up a couple of guests we'll with uh, pay-per-view reviews, or maybe it'll be a clash. Who knows? We've got them opening up as well. Um, but it'll be an, it'll be another episode. It'll be a lot of fun looking back over the crazy world of WCW. So, on behalf of Liam Happ, this is me, the Twisted Genius, saying thank you for listening, and we'll see you ringside.